Genesis chapter 12. Would uh, you agree that uh, we live in interesting times? <laughs> and and uh, so I'm so grateful that we are here in our study and uh, what we're going to be talking about over the course of the next several weeks um, and even possibly a couple of months. I could, uh, nothing more appropriate, I think, than uh, what we're going to be sharing. How's everybody doing today? Good. Well, hopefully you've opened your Bible to Genesis 12. You have your outline. You have a pen. And uh, as I've said, we've been working our way through the book of Genesis on Sunday morning, and we're going to begin uh, a most fascinating journey, a story, and it's going to be the story of Abraham. And uh, one of the things I want to say as we begin this is that we all come from various church backgrounds. And so if you're like me, I grew up in the church. And, and uh, so our church, you know, I was used to what we did in our church, and then we heard about the church down the street, and uh, we were told that they were weird. And, uh, but at their church, they were told that we were weird. And so we, we had this weirdness be, between us. And, and so what happens is in, in a denomination or a church group, you'll tend to emphasize certain things, and sometimes as you emphasize those things, you de-emphasize other things. And uh, so what we're going to look at today was not emphasized in the church that I grew up in. It doesn't mean it wasn't true. It's just that we didn't really talk about these things. And so today we're going to talk about some things that I think you're at least going to find interesting, and we'll be talking about this over the course of the next few chapters. So the story of Abraham is the story of growing in faith and the story of operating faith. In, in, in faith. And today what we're going to do is we're going to do an overview. We're going to hop, skip, and jump through a couple of chapters. And then next week we will come back and we'll begin working through each chapter as we go through. So today's more of an overview, the big picture, but then we'll come back to the specifics. Abraham, as he goes on his journey of faith, is going to become the object lesson in the Old Testament of the power of words in, in our lives. And so Abraham is going to learn this truth, and uh, we're going to learn this truth, but this isn't something that we talked about in my church growing up. So if this is new to you, that's okay. We'll, uh, we'll uh, see, see how it goes and see where we wind up. But uh, in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, God says something very interesting interesting. He says, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near. Stay at the Lord God and I will heal him. And uh, one of the things that you get from that, there's a whole lot going on in that verse, is that it doesn't matter how near or far, uh, when we speak words, they are powerful. And God takes those words and he does something with them. Words are a lot more powerful than uh, what we were taught. Now, in the New Testament, Jesus would say this. He would say, if you had faith as or like a mustard seed, and I've underlined the word seed, you would say and I've underlined the word say, to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. And one of the things that we're going to find is that faith is a lot, has a lot more to do with speaking, speaking to rather than praying about. So when we read this verse growing up, we were taught that just means you need to pray about it, but, but never say to anything. Um, but you also notice when it says, if you had faith like a mustard seed, uh, we were always taught the emphasis was on how small the seed is. And so it would be taught that if you have just a tiny bit of faith, just a tiny bit of faith, well, 
I don't disagree with that. I think that's true. But the emphasis, he says, faith like a seed, or in this case, like a, a mustard seed, uh, we tend to focus again on how small it is. But you see, for a seed to actually do something, it has to be planted. And until it's planted, nothing happens. Nothing happens. And the reason for the mustard seed, at least here, it doesn't say that it's small, but one of the things that we learn about a mustard seed is that when you plant a mustard seed, it comes up very quickly. It doesn't come up instantaneously, but it comes up very quickly. So if you plant it within about seven days, you're going to see it begin to come out of the ground. And so we want to talk about that as we go, but it has to be planted. And then as a seed being planted, when we speak, when we speak words, that's taking a seed and then that's planting. So Paul would say it like this in the New Testament. Paul would say, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I've, I've uh, put a, a couple of words there. We won't unpack them this week, but the word rima there just means a specific spoken statement. And, uh, so, and then it says the word of God. And actually, the word there is Christos in the original language. Now, in my background growing up in church, when we were told that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, we were taught this only pertains to getting saved and going to heaven. Uh, but it actually applies to all faith, all the things that you and I believe. It's what we hear and hear and hear that causes us to believe certain things. And uh, so when you hear it, hear it, hear it, uh, over time, you're going to believe it. Would you say, would you agree, that in our country right now, there's at least two groups that have very different belief systems? Now, which one is true? Well, well, mine is. But aside from that, aside from that, do you know why they have two very different belief systems? Because of what they've been listening to and we've been listening to for time after time after time, literally years. So now we believe it and we don't understand why somebody else would see things a, a different way. Because faith, what we believe, comes by hearing. And in this case, hearing by the word of God. So if you want to believe some things uh, that, that, that God wants for you, you have to hear his word and hear it and hear it and hear it. I, and and uh, so I, I would say, just as a little parenting advice, be very careful what you speak over your children, what you say to them, because they're so little, and what you say and say and say becomes their belief system. We've always told our kids, even when they've done things, uh, we, you know, it, it wasn't always honest coming out of our mouth, but, but we would say, how can somebody, you're so smart, how could you do something like that? But we've always wanted to tell them that they're smart and they're able and they're, they, they have, because some of us grew up and that wasn't the thing that, that we were told. But faith comes by hearing, and he, in this case, hearing by the word of God. So if I want to believe what God says, I need to hear and hear and hear what God says. Now, faith comes by hearing, but it comes a whole lot faster when I am hearing myself speak. When I begin to speak God's word, that's like taking a seed and planting it in my heart. And over time, as that seed comes up, I'm going to believe what he says. And uh, so we're going to talk about that. And that's a lesson that, that Abraham is going to learn. Now, Jesus so believed in the power of speaking God's word that he would say this there in your outline. Jesus says, the one who sent me is true. So I say in the world only what I have heard from him. And so Jesus was very careful to never speak 
his circumstances, but to say what God said. So you'll hear Jesus saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. Uh, You'll remember the story where Jesus is in the boat and there's the storm and the disciples are distressed and they speak their circumstances. We're drowning, big waves, big storm. And uh, Jesus doesn't, when they wake him up, he doesn't speak the circumstances, he speaks to and he says, be calm, be calm. But he never spoke the circumstances. So what we're going to learn as we travel through this is that the key of faith, or the key to faith there in your outline, is to continually, is continually saying what God has said. Continually saying what God has said. And we'll be unpacking that over the course of the next few weeks. Now, today, as we begin the story of Abraham, Abraham in the Bible is the Old Testament example picture of the New Testament believer, of the New Testament believer. So uh, you, you want to keep that in mind. So, so much so that in the New Testament, Paul would tell us this there in your outline. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. I put some verses there. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's a lot there, a story for another day. In order that in Christ Jesus, and I want you to underline the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So whatever the blessing that Abram had is something that God wants to give us. And uh, we, are redeem- we are redeemed, the Bible says, from the curse of the law. So what is the curse of the law? Well, if you go to Deuteronomy 28, and I've put that little address there, and you can look it up later, what you'll find is the curse of the law was death, spiritual death, disease, and poverty. That was the curse of the law. It says we've been redeemed from that, and we have been set free, and we've received the blessing of Abraham. Now, in my church growing up, we were taught that the blessing of Abraham meant that you go to heaven. But what we're going to see as we travel through is that God doesn't really speak to Abraham about going to heaven. He speaks to Abraham about what he wants to do in this life. Certainly, Abraham goes to heaven, and that's good news. But Abraham was, was blessed. So the question is, what was the blessing of Abraham? Well, several things. Uh, first of all, uh, we would say he's blessed spiritually. There on your outline, it says Abraham was called the friend of God. So that's good. So he's blessed spiritually. And so you have that blessing too. Another thing we're going to notice, at least by observation, is that it's never recorded that Abraham was sick. Now, was he sick? I don't know. I just know that it's never recorded that that he was ever sick. Part of the blessing that Abram received, Abraham received, there in your outline, it says, Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. So, so part of the blessing is that God wanted to make sure that he was okay materially. He could pay his bills and, and do all that. So he wasn't just blessed for eternity, but God wanted to see him blessed in this life also. Another thing which I think is very important for, for you and I living in this time that we live, there's a time when Abram's family is carried off by the enemy. And uh, there in your outline, it says, and we'll look at this when we get to chapter 14, it says he brought back all the goods and he also brought back his relative lot with his possessions. So some say that part of the blessing that we receive, the blessing of Abraham, is that we have the ability to bring our family members back when they are carried off by the enemy. And I I think that we, we all have family members who've been carried off by the enemy. And so that's part of that. So 
there are some other things that we're going to find as we travel through. He's the Old Testament picture of the New Testament believer. We're going to find that he builds an altar just about everywhere he goes. He is going to make worship a priority in his life. That's good. Uh, one of the things we're going to find is he puts God first financially. We'll talk about that in chapter 14. It's one of the early lessons that he learns. Paul will talk about that in Hebrews chapter 7. One of the things that I find very interesting as the Old Testament picture of the New Testament believer, when Abraham sins, um, God never brings it up. Now, you and I are, we're gonna talk about it, but when he sins, God never mentions it. How many of you have heard the story of Hagar or Hagar, however you, you've been taught to pronounce that? You know, God never brings that up. Now, we'll look at that when we get there, but because he's the Old Testament picture of the New Testament believer, God never brings that up. We're also going to find that he's right with God based upon his belief, not because of his behavior. And so we'll talk about that when we get there. We're also going to find that Abraham, as the example, the Old Testament example, the New Testament believer, he's going to have to grow in his faith in the same way that you and I have to grow in our faith. And today we're going to focus in on the part of his faith. There's this one unanswered prayer and uh, everything's great in his life, but he has this one unanswered prayer. And, and if this one prayer would be answered, everything, he would, everything would be great in his life. Would you agree that right now, even as I say that, you have that one unanswered prayer, that if God just answered that one prayer, uh, everything would change in your life? Come on, you know you do. <laughs> Everybody does. So we're going to talk about that. So again, today we're going to hop, skip, and jump as we go. Next week we'll come back and we'll start working chapter by chapter and verse by verse. We're going to pick it up in chapter 12. And it says, now the Lord said to Abram, verse 1, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Now here's the promise. I will make you a great nation. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I will bless you and uh, make you your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in, you and, all, and, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him. Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now, we'll talk about that next week when we come back. But what I want to highlight today is that you want to write this down. So God says, follow me, and we're going to pick up his journey. When Abram was 75 years old, God promised to make him a great nation, which is quite a promise to a guy who's 75 years old. You're going to be a great nation one day. Now, the only way Abram can become a great nation is he's going to have to have some descendants. He's going to have to have a child, some, you know, some, some grandchildren and all that. But when we first meet him, we don't meet him as Abraham, we meet him as Abram. Now, Abram is a very interesting word there in your outline. Um, Abram means high father, uh, father of height. So it's, it's father more in the sense of you're a great leader, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a bunch of kids. And uh, so when, it, when it's a father uh, uh, you know, of, of great height, um, he was. He was a great leader. It, when, as we read the story, we're going to find that he has at least 300 families that are attached to him as he goes. So he receives this promise, and uh, he's excited about the promise, but, but nothing, nothing happens. Nothing happens. And he's blessed, but there's this hole in his life. So we're going to go over to chapter 13, and we're going to pick it up in verse 14. Everybody go to chapter 13, verse 14. 
And it says, and the Lord said to Abram, after. Now we're gonna talk about that word after when we get to it in a couple of weeks. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward. And uh, what we're, we're gonna learn when we get there is that he has to separate from a relationship before he can go forward with the Lord. And when we get there, we're gonna talk about there's going to come a time in your life as a believer where God's going to call you to separate from a relationship that's holding you back in your walk with the Lord. It's not your spouse that you're sitting next to, but there's gonna be some people. (laughs) There's gonna be some people. And uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. I needed to say that because I didn't want you walking out of here today going, I know just the person. So... Verse 15, <laughs> for, and God continues, he says, for all the land which you see, I will give it to you and your descendants forever. And I've underlined that word descendants. Uh, some, of your Bible might, uh, some of your Bibles might say offspring, however it says it's seed, whatever it says. Um, then verse 16, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. And we'll talk about the dust of the earth so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can also be numbered. Arise and walk through the land uh, through its length and breadth, and I will give it to you. And Abram moved his tent, and he came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and he built an altar to the Lord. So, uh, a couple of things. First of all, verse 18 because we believe that every word is there by design. We'll unpack this when we get to this chapter. I just want to highlight something. In verse 18, Abraham's situation. Then Abram moved his tent, and he dwelt by the oaks of Mamre. That's the Hebrew word for abundance. That's all that means is abundance, which are in Hebron. And that is the Hebrew word for fellowship. And, uh, and he built an altar, and there's just worship to the Lord. The reason I highlight that is this is good. Abram here, uh, he's in fellowship. He's living in the place of abundance. He's worshiping the Lord. Things are really good between him and God. But we notice something else, and I want you to write this down. God promised to give Abram descendants. And uh, if your Bible says offspring, whatever it says, you can write that down. But we notice he says that three times. So, so there's this promise, but nothing's happening. There's promise, but nothing's happening. And although he's blessed in so many areas of his life, there's this hole. This is this one area that he wants to see God do something in. He has this promise. He's going to have some descendants. And God says, your descendants are going to be like the dust, if you can number them. At this point, Abram should respond by saying, my offspring, my seed is going to be like the dust of the earth. There's going to be so many, not going to be able to count them, just going to be so blessed, so so many offspring. And uh, what we're going to find is that Abram doesn't start saying that, even though God has said that, that's not what Abram says. So what does Abram say? Well, years go by, and I want you to go to chapter 15, and there's no manifestation that this is actually coming about. And so in chapter 15, uh, verse 1, we're going to find that uh, Abram, as time goes, Abram's getting grumpy. We'll see. It says, so after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not fear, Abram. I'm a shield to you and your reward shall be very great. Now notice his response. 
Abram said, oh, Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless, underline that, and the heir of my house, Eliezer of, and, and, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, since you've given me no offspring for me, one born in my house is my heir. And, and he said it just like that, by the way. It was very, very, very grumpy, very grumpy. So um, there in your outline, I put that, that, but Abram said, oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I'm childless? You know, God had already given him his word, but we notice something about Abram here. We notice that, and, and this is not just Abram, it's for so many of us. Abram is a believer. He loves the Lord. He's walking with the Lord. He's living, you know, in, in, in a, a, all, you know, the goodness of the Lord. But he has this promise, but there's no manifestation. But we notice something about him, and, and for, for many people in church today, you want to write this down, Abram spoke the circumstances, but not the promise. He speaks the circumstance, not the promise. Abram here is just calling it like it is. I'm just being honest. This is just how it is. And not only is he doing that, he's catastrophizing. He's saying, you know, not only do I not have a child, but this person's not even my child is going to take everything. I've worked everything my whole life, and somebody else is going to get it because you've given me no offspring. In essence, he's blaming God. He has the promise, but, uh, but it's, it's not happening. So he's not saying what God has said about his situation, and he's had the promise for years, but nothing's happening. Now, when we speak our circumstances, many times we think we're being honest. And you know, when the Bible says we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. And uh, many times what we do is we begin to speak our circumstances, but we don't speak God's promise. And that's very much like when you walk into an elevator and you want to go to the third floor, but you're on the first floor. And if you speak your circumstances, all you're doing is pushing the first floor button because that's your circumstances. That's where you are. But you don't want to stay where you are. You want to go to the third floor. So you have to push not the first floor, calling it like it is. You have to push the button for where you want to go. Does that make sense? What Abram is doing at this point is he's just speaking his circumstances calling it like it is. That's not faith. That's not faith. So verses four and five, it says, then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man will not be your heir, but one will come forth from your own body and he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So shall your descendants be. So here, God gives the promise again. This is what I want to do. This is the promise. What God is trying to do is he's trying to get Abram to begin speaking what God has said, not just speaking his circumstances. So here, Abram should start saying, my offspring are going to be like the stars of the sky. You can't even count them. My offspring are going to be like the dust of the the earth. You can't even count. It gets just so many. And because God has said that, I can say, you know, it's going to be like this. But he's not doing that. Well, time passes. And uh, if you go over to chapter 16, chapter 16 is a story of Abram not saying what God is saying about his situation that's a story about how Sarah and Abram come up with a plan to help God out. 
And uh, when we get there, we're going to find out that you don't want to come up with a plan to help God out if he says he wants to do this. So just uh, we'll talk about that when we get there. But notice verse 16, chapter 16, verse 16. It says, now, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to him. And we'll talk about that when we get there. But you want to write down, he's now 86 years old. 11 years have gone by and there's no manifestation whatsoever of this promise ever taking place. So time continues. Time continues. And again, no manifestation. So you go to chapter 17, verse 1. Now there's a big jump in time. It says, now when Abram was 99 years old. And I want you to write down, now Abram is 99 years old. 99 years old. The Lord appeared to him, appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. That word blameless just means complete or in integrity. And God says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, by the way, let me just say, um, Abram fell on his face. Abraham, at this point, at least he's learned to just shut up and not to speak. So that's good. That's growth. He's not spewing unbelief. He's just not going to say anything. So um, fell on his face and God talked with him saying, verse four, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. We'll talk about that. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. So you want to write down at this point, Abram has had the promise for 24 years. 24 years. Some will say, you can have God's promise for 24 years, and if it doesn't happen, you just hang on. You just hang on because God is faithful. That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at this is that you can have the promise for 24 years, but until you start saying what God says, nothing is going to happen. And so that's the, the, the view that I take. So here, Abraham, uh, God changes his name. I think God says, I've got to change your name. That's the only way I can get you to begin saying what it is that, that what it's the only way I can get you to say what I'm saying about the situation. So he changes his name. The name there, Abraham, Abraham there in your outline, means father of a multitude. Does everybody see that? Father in a literal and immediate or figurative and remote application. The idea is that when you change it from Abram, which is more of like great leader, to Abraham, Abraham just means father of a multitude. This word implies that you're going to have some kids. And so this is how God taught Abraham faith. There on your outline, God changed his name so he would speak the promise, so that he would speak the promise. See, the good thing is when God changes your name, your name is changed. And you and I, we say Abraham, but they didn't hear Abraham. They heard father of a multitude father of a multitude. So everywhere he went, he had to introduce himself as father of a multitude, father of a multitude. I'm father of a multitude. Now he's 99 years old when this takes place. Uh, one of my mentors says that most people wanted to laugh at him, but they didn't because half the people in the county work for him. So you wouldn't say that. But he would say, I'm father of a multitude. I'm father of a multitude. And so they would come up to him and they would call him that. They'd say, 
Father of a multitude, where do you want to dig this well? Father of a multitude, where do you want this? He'd have to get on the phone, call the feed store and say, this is Father of a multitude, you know, this is what I want. And so he had to continue saying that. Now that's interesting because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, something began to change inside of him as he says what God says about his situation. I'm father of a multitude. What we find is once he started doing that, because faith is as a seed and a mustard seed comes up very quickly, which is what the illustration uses, there in your outline it says Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. He had the promise for 24 years and nothing happened. He spoke the circumstances, spoke the circumstances, spoke the circumstances. But when he decided, or when he was forced, to begin saying about his situation what God said, everything began to change, and it began to change very quickly. As a matter of fact, in three months, within three months, Sarah had to be pregnant for him to be, give birth there, or for her to give birth when he was 100. So go ahead and write this down. When Abraham began speaking the promise, the answer began to manifest in less than three months. And this is how God taught Abraham faith, and Abraham is the example for us as New Testament believers. In church world, in the church background that I come from, we would consider it presumptuous to speak the promise. And so we would speak the circumstances, uh, feeling as though we were being dishonest if we spoke what God said. Uh, but that's how you operate in faith, not by speaking your circumstances, but by speaking the promise. When you and I take God's word and we speak it, it's like every time we speak, that word goes out and it's a seed, and that seed is planted in our heart. And the more we speak it, the more it's planted and it begins to grow, and it just comes up. It finds a way. It just finds a way to come up. And our belief system changes. And when our belief system changes, Jesus says, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you would say two, and it would happen. You you just, you believe different. You get a very, very different result. So in the Bible and in Abraham's life, we find that faith is more than just going to heaven. Heaven is great. But God wanted to teach Abram how to operate in faith in this life. Another thing that I notice here, it says, and this is from the New Testament, Paul says, without becoming weak in faith, Abram, Abraham contemplated his own body now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, keep in mind, it says he was about 100 years old. So this isn't talking about when he was 75 years old and God first came to him. This is right at that time where Sarah gets pregnant when he's, she, she, he gives, you know. So, so his, as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief. Again, this is that when she got pregnant. But he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And that word glory there is the word doxology, doxology or doxa, to God. And being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Again, this isn't talking about when Abraham was 75 years old. This is talking about when he's about 100 years old. And so something changed at that point. He recognized, it says his body was as good as dead in the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
he didn't go around saying, we're young, we're young, we're young. He just said, I'm a father of a multitude. I'm a father of a multitude. He didn't deny his situation. He just said what God said about his situation. It's also interesting. It says he grew faith giving, or he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God because faith comes by hearing. He's growing strong in his faith by giving glory. And the word there is doxa from where we get the English word doxology. Doxology is also praise or thanksgiving. So I want you to write this down, a little clue there that Abraham thanked God in advance for the answer. He began thanking God in advance for the answer when there was absolutely no manifestation of anything changing. Again, some hold that if you have the promise and it doesn't happen for 24 years, you just hold on. Others hold that you can have the promise for 24 years, but until you start saying what God says about your situation, nothing is going to happen. Does that make sense? So let me, let me just show you very quickly as we wrap this up how this works out and uh, a little bit about how I use this in my life. Paul would say it like this. Now, you, you remember that, that Abraham was told, you know, your, your seed is going to be like the dust of the earth, if you could number it. Your, your offspring are going to be like the stars of the sky. So Paul would say in the, the book of Hebrews, he says, he himself has said, this is God speaking, I will never leave you, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, and I've underlined boldly, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear, what can man do to me? So here's what Paul is saying. If God has said this, then I can boldly say this. If God has said your offspring are going to be like the dust of the earth or the stars of the sky, then you can boldly say this. So you want to find out what it is that God has said so that you can boldly say some things. So there's a couple of things that I say every day. There on your outline, God has said this, so I boldly say this. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them, and here's what I boldly say, and I have more faith in God's protection than the devil's ability. And I say that every day. The, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and protects them, and I have more faith in God's protection than the devil's ability. And let me tell you, when you have 12 kids, you need to have more faith <laughs> in God's. So, but, but I say that every day. I say it out loud. I say it out loud, and I believe that. I believe that. And, and when you believe that, it changes how you live. Another thing that God has said, um, Psalm 115, 14, he says, the Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children, for you are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. So God has said that. So here's what I say, and I personalize that. And I say, the, the Lord is increasing me more and more, me and my children, for I am blessed of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord is increasing me more and more, me and my children, for I am blessed of the Lord who made heaven and earth. And I say that, I say that. And, and, and I say that the Lord is increasing me more and more, me and my children, my children. And the Bible says, blessed is the offspring of your body. And so I say that about my children. Blessed is the offspring of my body. Blessed is the offspring of my body. And, uh, and it changes how you believe and, and, and when you do that. You, we've all seen this past year and a half, the whole world has been shut down by a, a virus and there's so much fear. I want to encourage you. 
if, uh, if you're living in fear of that, take Psalm 91 and begin to say it out loud. No plague will come near my tent. And when you say that and say that and say that, you begin to believe it and it changes you and you'll find that no plague will come near your tent. And it's, it's, that's... All right, I'm two pages away from my notes. I don't even know where I am anymore. But, but God wants to do more than just get you to heaven. He wants to do more than just have you become really nice people with good information. He wants to see you operate in faith. And uh, this is how you do it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes faster when you hear yourself speaking God's word, not your circumstances. You want to speak what it is that God says about your situation. We have a book outside. It's called God's Promises for Every Need. We've just put a bunch of promises together that you can begin to apply to your life. If you want, you can write promises on your connection card, and we'll send you um, a Word doc that, uh, that you can use. Just find out what God is saying about your situation, and you can begin to apply it to your life. And uh, you'll see very, very quickly that things will change in you and around you. Well, did you find that interesting today? Good. Well, let's go ahead and close in prayer, and we'll pick it up in chapter 12 next week. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for just teaching Abraham faith and uh, revealing to us how you had to change what he spoke so that that promise could come true. And I pray, God, that we would take your promises, we would speak them, they would become part of our lives as we plant them deep inside and that as that takes place, it just automatically come up. And that we're looking forward to that. I pray, God, that you keep each and every one of us till we meet again. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.